When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the In the Move for Fantasy Football podcast, a pro football network show that keeps you up to date with the current NFL news and how to adjust your lineups on a weekly basis. Start set, waiver wire, and draft advice. I'm Eric Moody. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric M. Moody. And my co-host is Tommy Garrett, who you can follow at Tommy Garrett PFN. Tommy and I have an excellent show planned for you today. We're going to talk about NFL preseason week one observations. We're also going to talk about running back sleepers and wide receiver sleepers. But before we do that, Tommy, what's new in your world, sir? Uh, nothing really new. It's just that we actually had football on TV, which was kind of nice. We got a little taste from the Hall of Fame game, kind of have like a, a full slate to go over. Um, it definitely felt like preseason football. Um, you kind of forget about, you know, some of these guys, you know, they're third stringers possibly for a reason, even though they're way better than I'll ever be. Um, but my, my biggest thing is I always love watching every single year. Everyone, don't overreact to preseason news. And what are we always going to do? We're going to overreact to preseason news, and we're probably going to do that in this show. Spoiler alerts for anyone sitting at home watching. Yes, yes, we will overreact. That's the fun part about NFL football and fantasy football. Exactly. It's just that time of the year where it's funny. You know, I'm looking at all the stuff on streaming that that I'd like to watch that's coming out, but football's coming in. So I'm going to have to leave it on my watch list until after the season. So that'll always be there. That's never going to go away. Yeah, like that's (laughs) always going to be football. We've got to do that now. You're right. It it is that time. So let's go ahead and get after it. So we've got uh, week one preseason let's start off and we're going to go to denver you know with the uh, broncos we've got teddy bridgewater we got drew lock the competition so against the yep. vikings you know lock completed five of seven passes for 151 passing yards uh two touchdowns no interceptions both quarterbacks played well now we've got bridgewater yep. he'll get the start against the seahawks for this week so tommy how do you view the broncos quarterback situation and really what fantasy advice would you give surrounding it for me personally, I think I think we kind of saw what we're going, what we should expect of these players. You see a more aggressive style of play in Drew Locke, which he's always been kind of known for going back to his time in Missouri. And you see a more conservative approach out of Teddy Bridgewater, more of that dink and dunk plotter who's going to stay in a more conservative role. Drew Locke is going to bring more upside to the receivers on the Denver Broncos, being your Jerry Judy. Um, Cortland Sutton, uh, KJ Hamler, who we saw have that beautiful 80-yard touchdown uh, with Drew Locke in this game. So I think if you're looking for the upside play, and who I think we're going to get more production out of the players, I think we want to have Drew Locke under center. We live with the interceptions. That's fine. Like I don't think you're necessarily going to want to play Drew Locke, but I think you would want to play the Denver Broncos players more with him under center. What are your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, no, you brought up some really good points because you look at a potential like upside. You look at a player's yeah. you know, floor and their ceiling. Now, I do agree. Locke does give that offense more upside, especially with his ability to throw the ball deep, you know, as far as with his arm strength. Accuracy, you know, that that's a different animal, but he does have the arm strength to propel the ball yeah. down the field. And that bodes well. You know, you've got Cortland Sutton that's there, and he's a big target. You've got Jerry Judy, and you've got KJ Hamler, of course, who we talked about, and then, you know, yeah. Tim Patrick. And we haven't even talked about Noah Fant. So the stage is set really for, for him to be successful. I'm just be curious to see who ends up getting the nod, you know, as we go through uh, the rest of training camp preseason, yep. you know, all the above. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see about that. Now, another quarterback competition, you know, there's a lot of competitions going on out there. You know, You're not got kidding. Mason. Yeah. You know, we got the saints, you know, my, my, my saints, you know, right here, I got my water cup here. You know, we've got uh Taysom Hill. We've got Jameis Winston. So we look at Hill, uh, you know, completed eight of 12 passes for 81 yards, uh, no touchdowns and one interception against the Ravens. On the other hand, we've got Winston. He completed seven of 12 passes for 96 yards, one touchdown and one interception. I kind of view this being a competition that's just going to continue until the end of the preseason. I don't see Peyton showing his yeah. hand, you know, too soon. Okay, so going to fantasy, like, how are you approaching Hill and Winston in fantasy drafts right now? The magic question. Oh, do I have to? <laughs> um i don't even know if the preseason ends this competition like this is one i think we're probably going to see linger into the start of the of the regular season and even if we do see someone like you know james winston end up eventually getting the start like we're not going to all of a sudden just phase out Taysom hill because no one loves you more than sean payton loved Taysom hill i think we've all pretty much established that over this time and like he's never going to just phase him out of the offense i think they probably have two offensive philosophies set up because you have to set up two completely different schemes with a Jameis Winston-led offense and a Taysom Hill-led offense. And I think either one can be successful. The, the issue is, like, this offense, without Michael Thomas, you all of a sudden are now really depleted at receiver. Like, this whole offense is probably going to run through, a lot of times, Alvin Kamara. You're going to see Adam Troutman out there. Um, and then you have, like, you know, like your Marcus Callaway and Traquan Smith, who are kind of, like, under the radar, especially right now. Like, they're one of the cheaper wide receiver ones who I think we'll probably touch on a little bit later when we got when we talk about our sleepers so it's it's one of those offense where it's like I'm looking at Alvin Kamara regardless of who's under center mm -hmm. and I'm kind of staying away from having to need to rely on any of the other New Orleans Saints players maybe take a deep shot on Adam Troutman although because I think we can see some pretty good production with him taking over that Jared Cook role but outside of that it's kind of curious but also nervous in the same time yeah yeah you know you kind of lean on you know sean payton you know in his offensive yep. uh body of work and history you know in new orleans you know goes back to 2006 and i know historically he's leaned really heavy heavily on the running backs you know as not only as uh rushers but as receivers out of the backfield yep. also with the tight ends get a lot of love too you mentioned troutman <laughs> he's in a position to, to really be a three down um tight end for them you know he can block Absolutely. you know he, he you know he's a pass catcher and so you look at Hill, I'm like, he had four starts last year, average 25 fantasy points per game. Winston, you know, we know his body of work. You know, he's finished mm -hmm. as a QB1 and 42% of his 72 career active games. And so, again, I, I agree. It's going to be a scenario for where we may not find out who's going to be the starter until we get closer to week one. And then we still have the risk for where, I'm like, who knows? Throughout the season, yeah. both of these guys can make starts. But you do... You do want at least one of them as your QB three if you're in a super flex or yep. you know two quarterback lead. It's, it's just too much upside there potentially uh, with one of these two players starting. So and we'll, especially we'll if see. one would miss time, like the other one instantly exactly. vaults up into that high QB two territory. Yeah. Now now we'll look at another. I would say another quarterback situation for where it's a competition, but you know let's be real. Is you know, it we feel like? 
you know who we're going with, right? Uh, going up north, we're going to uh, the Windy City. You know, who am I talking about? Oh, we're going Justin Fields. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're going Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields. I think you and I have had many conversations yes. about Justin Fields, mm-hmm. what he was able to do at um, Ohio State, you know, as a passer, you know, as a rusher, dual threat, gets everybody excited. So he had an excellent debut, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, completed 13 and 19 passes for 140 yards and a touchdown uh, against the Dolphins. Also rushed for 33 uh, additional yards and uh, added another touchdown rushing as well. So with Fields, uh, given this performance, given his competition in Andy Red Rifle Dalton, like what's your approach and your perspective on Fields from a fantasy lens going into 2021? I absolutely love Justin Fields. Um, For me, I'm always normally one of the people that go late round quarterback. Um, Fields is absolutely one of those guys I'm going to be targeting every single time and pair him up with someone who is like a starter. Like if you're in a 12 team league, you can be one of the last people to select a quarterback and still walk out of there with a Matthew Stafford or a Ryan Tannehill. And most times mm-hmm. you can always double back on that and get someone like Justin Fields later on in the draft to give yourself just massive amounts of upside. We've kind of seen what we're going to get out of him. A guy who's going to be able to, to stay poised in the pocket. Who's going to bring you that dual threat ability. Cause we know how vital rushing stats are. Like they always say like the Konami code, when it comes to quarterbacks, and we, we saw that right there. We know how that translates. The question was always, you know, how is his arm, how is his reads going to translate? And you saw him do everything. Like, he ended up throwing, like, a beautiful throw in one of them where he had, like, it was just press coverage, cover one up top, and he, you saw him read off and look off the safety mm-hmm. and come back and hit that backside seam, which was the perfect read against that cover one defense. And that's exactly what we want to see out of him. I know some people were saying that, well, that touchdown, he underthrew Bates and all that stuff. Well, he, I'm sorry, he underthrew um, – Jesse James, he yeah. didn't like. There was no reason to. Okay, here, let me lead him out further, hit him on the run. Why? He was wide open by twenty yards. Just play pitch and catch. Like he made the throws when he needed to and looked good doing it. The only concern I have when it comes to Justin Fields is going to be Matt Nagy and his play calling. Because we look at what the Bears did last season. All that happened under Bill Lazar when he when they went over and they, they switched play calling duties. That's the big topic that we have to watch going forward when it comes to Justin Fields and his skill set. I have no questions when it comes to that. The guy's going to be a stud. He's going to be a superstar. Yeah, and he can end up being a uh, potential league winner. You know, if he ends up getting absolutely the nod, you know, for the second half of the season. You know, they've got weapons in Chicago. Uh, he's in a good situation there. One thing that I did like uh, from the game is that uh, I know they you know, they used two tight end uh, two tight end formation uh, with yep. uh, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. So I think that's exciting. You know, you've got two additional playmakers that are there. Obviously, Graham's on the tail end of his career. Uh, but with Cole Komet, I'm like, you know, the potential is there. So I'm curious to see how they incorporate that more into, uh, you know, their offensive game plan going into 2021. So we're going to. If Jimmy to- Graham yeah. misses any time, Cole Komet instantly becomes a low end tight end one in oh, fantasy. Because Jimmy Graham, for a long time, up until like week 11, was leading the NFL in red zone targets. Yeah. When you condense that down now into one player who is athletic as Cole Komet is. Mm-hmm. That guy is going to be an absolute stud, and at a position where we struggle to find relevant weekly starting upside, Cole Komet is a guy who absolutely needs to be on radars for people, and especially giving Jimmy Grant's injury history and his age at this point, because Father Time, it's undefeated. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, it is undefeated. Yeah, good points on that Cole Komet. You know, I like him uh, as well, such as a tight end to play the committee yep. approach and stream. Yeah, he could, he's another player that can really be a waiver wire pickup, you know, the year league winner type. So, I guess I guess we'll keep the train rolling with uh, with rookie quarterbacks. (laughs) It's hard to be a common pattern here. I I know it. No, it is. It's just because everyone had their eyes like on these players. So we got Trevor Lawrence. 
you know, the number one overall pick, Jacksonville Jaguars. So he competed or completed, excuse me, six of nine passes for 71 yards against the Browns. Everyone's like, meh, you know, didn't throw any touchdowns, didn't throw an interception, did get sacked, recovered his own fumble on uh, their opening play from scrimmage. His very first play. Welcome to the NFL. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the NFL. But I would look at it this way, you know, didn't make a mistake, like a major mistake, but you know, perception isn't always reality. So what what's your fantasy perspective on Lawrence going into this year? And really did it even change just with this one performance? No. It's like we said, like don't overreact to preseason news. <laughs> don't overreact to Trevor Lawrence. Like you saw what you kinda I think you're gonna look at, like a guy who's gonna be accurate. Most of the time he's gonna make the right read. We didn't even see his legs in this game, which we know Trevor Lawrence actually has that. He has that rushing ability. The concern for me, and it's the same concern I had going into, it's gonna be the offensive line. Like they've got to stay healthy. Yeah. Like, granted, you went up against the Cleveland Browns. It was they wasn't like their entire starting roster. But that's gonna be arguably the one of the deepest, if not the deepest team in the NFL. Like they're playing at one hundred percent. They're probably the best roster in the NFL, most complete one, even with Tampa Bay bringing back all twenty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to that on a different day. But when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, like you saw what you're gonna get out of him. A guy who's gonna stand in the pocket, big, tall guy. Like, I love the throw that he made to Marvin Jones, who personally for me was one of my favorite offseason acquisitions just in the NFL, not not even just for fantasy. So I love seeing that. And the one I also really enjoy was seeing how they schemed uh, LaVisca Chenault in this offense. Like, mm. he's probably going to lead the wide receiver room in touches. And I don't even know if it's end up going to end up being close. And if you're going to be able to let a guy who's going to get that yards after the catch production, that's only going to help elevate Trevor Lawrence's stats. So mm-hmm. to me, nothing really changed out of Trevor Lawrence. Like, at all. I mean, it's. I just want to keep seeing more progression out of him. Just come out of the preseason, get out of it healthy, get your reps under, and we'll get to week one. Yeah. No, no, really good points, Tommy. And uh, only thing I would add, you know, before moving on to our, our next player, we're actually going to, uh, well, we're not going to change the trend. You know, we, we will after this one. But I would say that um, you look at Jacksonville, I'm like, the whole offense is really criminally underrated. It's essentially yeah. a, a dirt cheap fantasy football bonanza for where yep. a lot of people aren't really prioritizing those pieces. So, again, I'm really optimistic on that offense. So we'll, we'll cover uh, another quarterback, then we'll take a break, then we'll get back to another one. But uh, San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance. Trey five. area. Yeah, Trey. I know we've talked about about this individual, too. When they completed 5 of 14 passes, 128 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions against the Chiefs. I, I must admit, you know, that that 80 yard touchdown to, to Trent Shurfield was like a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty. I, I loved, loved it. It. It, like, it only loved traveled. It. it was only like he threw from like his own 13. What people mm-hmm. don't understand, like if you just look at the <laughs> box score, it shows from throw from the 13, 80 yard, right? That ball was a 55 yard rope from the far hash to all the way outside the numbers on the far side of the field, like on a line. Like he wasn't even, he did not even put that much hang time on that ball. And that just goes to show like he has that arm strength. We've seen that going back to North Dakota State. Like what you love about Trey Lance is he's got the wheels, but he can work out of the gun and under center. They did both when he was there. And I think that's going to translate so well for him. When he gets under center, it's, it's, the question is, when is he going to get under center? Because, yes. look, Jimmy Garoppolo has always played well. But at a certain point, like, you sold the entire farm and the house, all the livestock, your 401k to get to move up in the draft get to get Trey Lance. You don't buy a Lamborghini and leave it in the garage and keep driving your Ford Pinto, right? Just no. get Trey Lance out there. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. No, you're, you know, you're spot on there. I know with Lance, you know, he, he did take some sacks. Was a couple of questionable passes, yep. which yep. which I felt like they could have been interceptions. But 
again, you want to find reasons in fantasy to prioritize players and not necessarily nitpick on why they can't be successful. To your point, he has all the tools to be uh, yep. to be successful. So for what it sounds like, Tommy, it's like this performance, it doesn't really change like your perspective of Lance like moving forward no. in fantasy, right? I'm still very high on Lance. I mean, I'm still, it's for me, him and Justin Fields, like you, you're putting them back actually in the exact same tier with each other. Like that guy, once they get the starting job, they're going to be low. They're going to be high in QB ones. Like mm-hmm. the, it's like you're talking about, like when we watch these quarterbacks play and let's say they do throw an interception and there's some questionable balls, do it because right now is the time where you can find out whether or not you can fit that ball into that window. Now's your learning process. We kind of heard Zach Wilson talk about this in his press conference um, late last week, you know, where he was trying to throw, he got picked off. Well, he's trying to learn if he can hit that ball or not. Okay. I can't do that. Let's check down over here and hit someone else. Like this is when you learn an experiment. That's why we were saying, you know, don't panic. Quarterbacks are still learning what they can get away with when it comes week one or whenever they do eventually get that start. They know, okay, I can't get that. But that upside top, that uh, over the top play, I know that ball is going to be open for me. No, it's a really good point. You know, these players, you know, develop, they evolve. You know, they take the feedback, they implement. So exactly, that's something that you got to take into account. But in fantasy, it's something that that many fantasy managers, you know, tend to forget. They're like, but you know, re- you know, that's why we're here to remind you. So, uh, moving on, uh, another very very intriguing uh, performance uh, was with running back Ramondre Stevenson. So, yep. uh, had ten rushing attempts you know, parlayed that into 127 yards, uh, two touchdowns against Washington. Now, granted, hey, it was in the second half, you know, Damian Harris, you know, Sony Michelle, you know, those guys weren't uh, getting reps. And it was against the football team's uh, third string defense, I believe. But nonetheless, it was still impressive. Um, does this performance, like, change your perspective on Stevenson, you know, Tommy, like, moving forward in fantasy? It surprised me a little bit because I'll be honest, I was down on Ramondre Steven all the way going into my pre-draft process. He wasn't a guy who necessarily like he didn't excite me going into it. And then you see him go to New England, which is a notoriously awful backfield when it comes to fans. Like, sure, they'll have production. But when you split it up across five different players, like that's always going to be brutal. We saw that they declined Sonny Michelle's fifth year option at that point. Um, so to me, it looks like more necessarily that we're going to get Ramondre Stevenson working more into that Sony Michelle uh, role, eating carries more off of him. But I mean, all the reports are still coming out that Damian Harris is still leading these backs through all their drills, all their team camps. So, I mean, Damian Harris to me is still the running back that you want to acquire and and fantasy this year. Um, and then Ramondre Stevenson will be back there. He's going to get your goal line carries. And I think, you know, he showed a little bit of burst. Um, something we were all kind of wondering because we saw him drop and cut the way when he went down the senior bowl and looked good there. Um, if he keeps that up, like Bill Belichick is going to love, love you as long as you don't put the ball on the ground and you are going to be an efficient runner. What they never yeah. got out of Sony Michelle. Yeah, no, no, very true. Patriots have historically always had a really good uh, offensive line. So, yes, uh, Damian Harris, I do agree with you, Tommy. You know, will end up being a guy. Just with Sony Michelle, it wouldn't be surprising to me if he ends up, you know, getting cut, you know, release, you know, before the start of the season, which opens the door for Stevenson, you know, yep. to at least get some opportunities. So he's someone that I really like uh, picking up, you know, late, like in drafts and really just stashing and holding you know, for the season, just to see, you know, what ends up happening. So another player didn't really expect to start, you know, from uh, from Kyle Trask. You know, I love the situation uh, in Tampa Bay. You know, he's, uh, you know, behind the GOAT, you know, Tom Brady, you know, for a season or two. They kind of, uh, you know, kind of develop, you know, just like he's like in a crock pot, you know, kind of like slow cooking, you know, goodness. But really didn't see that goodness uh, in week one against <laughs> the Bengals. 
just completed, you know, four 15 pass attempts, you know, for 35 yards, took five sacks. He did, yeah. however, have two well-thrown passes. <laughs> I know that were, that were dropped. I, like, fell to my knees, like, watching that, like, on TV, like, oh, it just, just, just makes you feel bad. But I'll, I'll kind of bring all that together and pass it to you. I, I really like Trask kind of going into this season, especially in Dynasty, you know, as an inexpensive quarterback option to acquire. But I would just say you and I both know that he's, he's unlikely to have like any redraft value. But is, does this performance no. kind of change your, your thoughts on Trask like in Dynasty? Uh, for me, it's I think we had like the clear top five in Dynasty. Um, and then it was, was the question, okay, who's the QP six? Um, mm -hmm. And you're kind of looking like the Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond and Davis Mills kind of area. Yeah, it's look, Tom Brady. We have no idea how long he's going to play. He might play until he's drawing AARP at this point. Like, and he's probably still winning Super Bowls. <laughs> so it's a matter of when is Kyle Trask ever actually going to see the field? I think he's still in that mix for that QB six through eight territory. Mm -hmm. Like, he's okay. He might be good with Bruce Arians and this offense. They have the playmakers. No question about this. Mm -hmm. It's just when is he ever going to see the field? Um, for me, I look at like Kellen Mond and davis mills and i think they could probably see the field sooner so i think you're going to get a sooner return on investment on those guys but i mean even in super flex leagues those guys were still going you know late second rounds early thirds which is yeah. late for quarterbacks but it kind of goes to show also the drop off that we had from your i mean a lot of people had mac jones as their qb5 all the way down to like to the qb6 i think there was a very wide tier gap at that point it doesn't necessarily excite me uh kyle trask but i'll be looking forward to watching if he can kind of put some more Put some more uh, film out there for us, kind of evaluate and hopefully try to raise his stock a little bit. Yeah, you know, it could be one of those, you know, buying opportunities too. You know, again, like Absolutely. people's, uh, you know, perspective. But uh, no, we've got three more players we'll touch on and then we'll uh, dive into some uh, running back and wide receiver sleepers. So I'll just say, I know we talked about this individual earlier, you know, KJ Hamler, you know, with that uh, touchdown pass. I'm like, could Hamler be undervalued in fantasy drafts right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. The question is, like, it comes down to like, hey, you know, Tim Patrick's health. He's got to come back and be healthy. And then how does that wide receiver room all of a sudden stack out of that point? And that's not even including throwing in uh, Noah Fant into that. Like, you have a lot of pass catchers on this offense. Like, they essentially have, like, an NBA team, like, especially the backcourt, when you throw in Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, Fant, and Tim Patrick. And we know Tim Patrick's size. Um, there were the reports that the Ravens, according to Ben Albright, uh, the Ravens were contacting the uh, Broncos uh, about Tim Patrick's availability. I don't think they would want to trade him, given that you want to have that wide receiver room depth, um, which is so critical. And they saw, look, Tim Patrick played very well last year, uh, set career highs all across the board. So they know they have something good with him. Um, and it also helps when you have like in someone like Drew Locke, who's going to put, who's going to take some risks. It's nice having receivers with a wide catch radius with guys like uh, Cortland, uh, with Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick's. But I like what KJ Hamler does. Like, we know the explosiveness he brings coming out of Penn State. We know what he can do in this offense. If he stays healthy, the guy's going to be good. He could be in flex consideration um, as long as this offense is ticking. Yeah, no, he's another guy that I like to I like to stash late, you know, as well. Yeah. And um, another receiver we'll talk about, you know, rookie uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, I know Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and A.J. Green did not play. But it was really great to see more like involved. I'm like he caught three or four targets for 23 yards, rushed two times for 16 yards against the Cowboys. So, do you agree or disagree? Is is more someone to uh, stash 
and acquire like late in your fantasy draft. I've been high on Moore for a long time. I mean, we know what he could do. We saw it in his very exactly. first game at Purdue. Like, we know this guy's capable. It was always just going to be can he stay healthy? Like, for me, the best way I could sum up Rondo Moore, he is going to be the Arizona Cardinals version of Debo Samuel. Like, That's he's good. going to be that kind of scheme kind of player where there's going to get the ball into his hands around the around the line of scrimmage. We saw how much Cliff Kingsbury even wanted to screen and do bubble screens to Larry Fitzgerald. Like now you're going to take those same passes and give them to someone as explosive as Rondell Moore. Yeah. Like I'm all in on that. Like it's going to be a yards after the catch explosive plays. Like we know how good he could be. This is an offense that ran more four wide receiver sets and five wide receiver sets than yeah. anyone else in the NFL. So yeah, I know those true. are the concerns of how many pass catches they have on the field. I'm okay with it. Like Kyler Murray was on pace for a record-setting season up until he sat, had his uh, shoulder injury. Like I, I love Rondell Moore. At one point, he was my wide receiver too in dynasty in my process yeah. going into it. Like I, I love him. It's one of those guys. Like yeah, I would absolutely stash him on any of my teams that I have. Yeah, I mean, I would say one you know quick uh, takeaway that I would add. Then we'll talk about uh, Terrence Marshall. Uh, you know, with his performance is that mm-hmm. with a lot of these players, you know, you want to make sure that you. If you're going to stash a player, it's uh, just be patient yep, and hold them. Absolutely. No, nothing's worse than saying, hey, you had Rondell Moore or any of these players, KJ Hamler, and you drop them a week or two before they go boom. I can't yep. stress enough, just be patient. So Last year, James yeah. Robinson or yeah. Justin Jefferson, they didn't necessarily do everything like in week one. You're like, eh, okay, maybe they're not really going to do anything. You drop those guys and pick up you know, like a, uh, another, a buy-in, a bi-week <laughs> fill-in or whatever. Guess what? They all of a sudden do something. Uh, it's it's one of those things like always exercise patience early on, yes. especially with rookies as they learn the game and they also have to learn their role in the offense. Yeah, no, you're right. So we'll we'll close out the uh, with the training and uh, not training camp, but the um, close out with the preseason week one conversation with uh, Terrence Marshall. So, you know, he did finish with a game high 88 receiving yards on three receptions. The 60 yard catch and run uh, was, you know, a thing of beauty. Yeah. So with with Marshall, what's your perspective on him going into this year uh, in redraft? I'm a big fan of Terrence Marshall. Like I, if you watched his tape, like a lot of times he was popping off the screen more than he was even when he was with you're looking at with him with um, uh, Jamar Chase. Like the thing I loved yeah. about Terrence Marshall is what we saw on that on that uh, 60 yard play. Mm-hmm. He is one of the smartest receivers in this draft class when it comes to when a play breaks down. Mm-hmm. He's really he is does a great job of keeping his eyes on the quarterback and then either extending a play and kind of finding that uh, soft spot in the offense. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, in the defense. That's what we exactly is what we saw there. He kind of runs that over the over the crawl over the middle route and then kind of fades off when he sees PJ Walker rolling out at that point and all of a sudden he takes off. Although I will say it really made me question the LSU combine numbers because the guy had a five yard mm-hmm. advantage. <laughs> a four three run a four three receiver is not getting ran down with a five yard advantage. I'm just saying. That's funny. You're like, hey, are these are these numbers accurate? But no, uh, we all I'm mean, going back to the Exos numbers. <laughs> like we've always been wondering, okay, what the hell were these guys actually running? <laughs> so I think you and I are definitely aligned, like with Marshall. I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, you know, of his. Yeah. So what we could do now, let's dive into some running back sleepers. You know, we'll we'll kind of go over a couple of names, you know, quickly and then transition to wide receivers. So I'll I'll kind of kick us off. Uh one name that I wanted to uh to bring up was uh Javian Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh huge fan of him. You know, he played, you know, over twenty one games at Louisville uh, over the past two seasons, uh combined for two thousand five hundred and thirty two uh total yards, seventeen touchdowns, you know, and twenty catches. 
I don't think Mike Davis is the long-term solution, obviously, given his contract. And so they did draft him for a reason. And he could yep. be more involved than people think. Just considering how uh, Davis started last season, strong, and then just kind of ran out of gas, you know, as the yep. season progressed. So Hawkins is a guy that's really inexpensive when you look at his ADP that I like quite a bit. I mean, I think he's and between him and uh, Quadra Allison. I think they're both fairly inexpensive comes in draft. I think I do think one of them will be that running back too. And as we're watching these preseason games, I think I'll be very interested, like the snap totals uh, between those two guys. Uh, the size is a bit of a concern when it comes to JB and Hawkins and his longevity. Yeah. But you're not looking at a guy who's going to be a bell cow back. You're looking at yeah. someone who's going to come in and be like that change of pace player. Um, and we saw enough out of JB and Hawkins to know that the guy's got skills. Um, and especially like in the receiving game. So if they are trying to like limit uh, Davis's touches a little bit and try to get him through a season, because we now have an extra game that we've never had to factor in before yeah. with all these players, and neither have the coaches. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how they like to um, to to manage the touches for these guys. So I think JV and Hawkins could see some could see some work this season. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, who, who's a running back that, uh, that you'd like to talk about, Tommy? Who's uh, for me, I'm back? actually want to look at Gus Edwards. He's yeah. kind of he's kind of going like that running back, like forty three to thirty nine kind of range. Mm-hmm. So he's going like as a high end RB four, but he's going to get work that I don't think other guys in that same area are going to get. Like the Baltimore Ravens absolutely love him. They extended him for a two year, ten million dollar deal. Mm-hmm. He's had three seasons in the NFL, and for three straight seasons, he's had over 133 carries and 700 yards in each of those seasons. Like mm-hmm. up until week um, 17 last season, he was actually leading uh, J.K. Dobbins in fancy points yes. per game and in several other stats. He led the team last season and also in rushes while playing in that three-headed attack that they had with Mark Ingram for a while until they pretty much just inactivated uh, Mark Ingram for quite a bit of that season. So I think Gus Edwards is a guy who's going to get a lot of play on an offense that has rushed the ball more over the past four seasons than anyone else, averaging over f- yeah. almost 540 rushing attempts per season. Granted, part of those are going to go to Lamar Jackson, as we always know. But I think Gus Edwards is a guy, like I said, you know what the Ravens are going to do, and I want a piece of that offense. So for me, I think Gus Edwards probably end up going to be a better value than J.K. Yes. Dobbins will, and probably about five rounds later. And I would say another running back that, I, that I've been targeting and acquiring like late in drafts is uh, Xavier Jones, you know, with the uh, L.A. Rams. Yeah. You know, I know the loss of Cam Akers like is devastating. It obviously propels Daryl Henderson up into the starter role. Mm-hmm. But you look at Xavier Jones, he's in a really good position and, 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 and has had like a positive like training camp. A lot of buzz around yeah. him. Uh, so far this in the month of August, and, and he's someone that could back up Daryl Henderson or potentially even get some uh, change of pace, you know, type of carries just to relieve Henderson. So I, I'm still not sold that Henderson can handle like the workload over a long yep. period of time. And so I'd rather acquire, you know, Jones, you know, who's dirt cheap. And then, you know, about Sean McVay and this offense since he's been uh, in L.A. or coaching the Rams, I would say. Um, like that offense has been really, really productive. They love to lean yeah. on the running game and the play action passing game. So, you know, Jones is someone, you know, that you should keep on your radar, in my opinion. Yeah, I like him. Um, another guy for me, actually, I'm going to look back at Ed, is a uh, Kenneth Gainwell with the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Uh, there's a concern about what these Eagles offense is going to do in terms of how they're going to handle Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. We, Miles Sanders is as talented as it gets, but it's also yeah. frustrating when he's either staying on the field or. We've seen this a constant running back committee approach ever since his rookie year. And I don't see that necessarily changing with Nick Sarani and um, Shane Stein, the OC over there. But what's interesting is both of these coaches ranked in the top 10 in running back opportunities, both with the Chargers and with the Colts. 
Um, the Colts last year averaged uh, 32 opportunities per game with the Chargers averaging um, 34 opportunities. But with both those teams is that both of those were averaging over seven targets per game. We look at with Kenneth Gainwell, mm-hmm. probably the best pass catching back coming out of this class, coming right. out of Memphis. He was my running back for um, coming into the NFL draft. He slid all the way to the fifth round for some reason. Uh, the guy's going to be very productive. We look at Miles Sanders, who had a 13% drop rate last year. On had seven drops on 52 targets. Granted, I don't think I think drops are a little overblown when it comes to fantasy, but we know that if he has any issues, they have a very capable back in Kenneth Gamble who can come in there and be a receiving back. So in PPR leagues, Kenneth Gamble makes a lot of sense to me as a little late round flyer um, who can come in there, see some touches per game, and is going to see some targets. And we know the point differential between a carry and a target. So I do like Kenneth Gamble later on in drafts. Yeah, no, good, you know, good points and observations like with Gainwell. So I guess we'll close it out on wide receiver sleepers. You know, I'll go through two names here, you know, really briefly, you know, that, you know, I think are really nice values. You know, the first one uh, would end up being Darius Slayton. You got Kenny Galladay mm-hmm. that's arrived, uh, Kadarius Tony. It's really taken a lot of the spotlight off of Slayton. And I think that's reflected like in his ADP. But you're looking at a receiver that's had back-to-back seasons of 740 or more receiving yards, and he's still going to get targets. And, you know, again, I think it's someone that you can acquire, like, as your wide receiver, you know, five, six, or seven, and really just stash throughout the season to see, you know, what ends up happening. But I think he'll be more productive than people think. Another receiver, uh, going back to the Rams, is uh, Van Jefferson, who I'm really high on. Obviously, Cooper Cup and... um, Robert Woods are going to be the kind of the um, the engine that propels the passing game. Absolutely. But you've got Josh Reynolds, you know, that's now with Tennessee. That opens up some targets uh, for, for Van Jefferson. I know you've got Deshaun uh, Jackson that's there. You've got Tutu Atwell. I just don't see Tutu getting a lot of, a lot of snaps or targets. Like, as a rookie, yep. I think it's more of a redshirt year. Deshaun Jackson, I'm like, they didn't bring him in to, to, to play like a high number of snaps. I think he'll end up getting more situational targets. But if he's the vertical at, threat. Exactly. Like if you look at someone that can potentially relieve uh Cup or Woods, it's going yeah. to be Jefferson. He's kind of the plug and play option. That's why I like him quite a bit and someone I recommend stashing at the tail end of your drafts. Yeah, I like I like Van Jefferson. Like he's a route runner, and we saw that coming out of coming out of Florida. I think that's what he's going to do. Like I said, that Robert Woods Cooper Cup kind of fill in there, that kind of same kind of role, and spell them on touches. He's not the deep route that some people thought he would have been uh, in his rookie year. So I, I do like him in that situation. Um, one for me, um, you know the phrase like "been there, done that, got the T-shirt." You aware of that oh, one? Yeah. Well, for oh, me, yeah. it's been there, Absolutely. done that, bought the jersey with Darnell Mooney. Um, look, I. If I go back and look at my exposure across all my leagues, Darnell Mooney is my highest drafted player in across all platforms. We talk about what we love about Justin Fields. You translate that to Darnell Mooney. They don't really have anyone else on this offense uh, with Marquise Godwin, uh, Riley Ridley, Demir Bird, and they do have the rookie uh, Daz Newsom as well. We saw him succeed uh, 360 yards and four touchdowns last season. Um, played on 73% of the offensive snaps, and he actually caught almost 90% of his catchable passes, which is saying something because uh, both Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles combined to be 22 of 70 on deep targets last year, which is why I think we're going to see a massive improvement um, out of Justin Fields. So for me, I absolutely love Darnell Mooney. This is the breakout year. If you're in Dynasty also, this is the cheapest he is ever going to be. 
go out yeah. there, get Darnell Mooney, and just profit at that point. Um, another one for me, actually, I'm going to say Russell Gage. Um, I know we are all enamored with Kyle Pitts and what he can do for this offense, and I'm I'm guilty of that also. I've been on that train as well. Um, I think going back to like last March, um, I called him a unicorn when he was still about to have that breakout season. Um, I know we love him and we love Calvin Ridley, but there's still a lot of targets to go around. And Russell Gage is coming off a 109 target season with 72 uh, 72 receptions um, and uh, almost 800 yards. Like we're still going to see that same kind of production. Yet oh, over five of his last seven games, he had 50 yards per game in that yeah. one. He's still going to see plenty of opportunities, and now he slides into that wide receiver two role that we just saw Calvin Ridley succeed in. Although Calvin Ridley was more like a one A one B with Julio Jones, but in role and where he's going to play in that offense, he's going to get peppered in with targets in this on this team. Um, and we also touched about it too early with the New Orleans Saints players with Marquez Callaway, um, Traquan Smith, guys like that. Like we don't necessarily know who the wide receiver one is going to be yeah but they're both really cheap like both these guys are going really late on in traps right now whether it's Taysom Hill whether it's Jamie Winston they are going to have to throw the ball to someone um either of these players could be acquired very late in drafts and you might end up walking away with a wide receiver one uh for the uh, New Orleans Saints because we have no idea how long it's going to be until we see Michael Thomas again yeah, no, no, really good point. Yeah, we we don't know, you know, how long it'll be for, uh, you know, for Thomas. So, yeah, and, and both of those players that you mentioned, those Saints receivers, are, you know, they're inexpensive. You know, you look at Smith, you look at Callaway. Yeah, so definitely acquire one in your draft. So, no, really good uh, sleepers, Tommy. Hey, good now, we can sit here and talk about wide receiver sleepers know, for an right? hour. I mean, this is an easy one. No, we we really could. But uh, hey, lots of lots of good insight. I think we helped a uh, helped a lot of our listeners that were listening to this or watching, you know, on YouTube. As long as you're not in my league, it's all I care about. <laughs> Very true. Make sure you're not in Tommy's league. You know, make sure. All right. Well, no. Hey, really good stuff. So that'll do it. You know, for this episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. Now, please remember, you know, to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and subscribe. For Tommy Garrett, you know, I'm Eric Moody. Thanks for listening, and check out all the great fantasy football content over at Pro Football Network.